This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here. You are listening to Tate Talks on this beautiful day. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this health and wellness radio show brought to you by iHub Radio out of Palm Springs, California. You can follow me, Jason Tate, on Facebook, where I'll be posting the recipes. I'll be posting information about the show. You can ask questions, give me topics, say, hey, can you cover this? Yes, I will definitely cover that. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Jason Tate, that's T-A-T-E. A little quick intro about myself. I'm a high school biological sciences teacher and medical health nutrition teacher. I am also a functional medicine certified health coach, and I work with people on reversing chronic diseases, and I'm here to share a lot of that information with you during this challenging time and any time, really, here through iHub Radio and Tate Talks. I have a very special guest on the show with you today. Uh, We'll call this the Tate Squared Talks today. Everyone says, hey, bro, what's up, bro? What's up, bro? I have my literal brother on the show today. My only sibling, my younger brother, 18 months younger than I, uh, his name is Matthew Tate. Matthew, are you here? I'm here. Yay, brother. Can you hear me? (laughs) (laughs) I can hear you. So, All right. uh, so he's my actual brother. Mom would be so proud of us right now. This would be her favorite show, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she would be tuning <laughs> in. <laughs> this is show number twenty for me, and this is the first time I get my my brother on the show. And I know my mom, uh, if she were alive today, she would be loving this show right now. Uh, all my shows, but this would be her favorite one, uh, being here with my bro. So. Uh, Matthew Tate is uh, out of high school. He went into the Air Force uh, and had a very successful career in the Air Force and then moved back to Arizona and went into the Phoenix Police Department. Uh, How long have you been with Phoenix PD now, bro? Uh, 18 years. Oh, that's all? (laughs) Getting close to being done. (laughs) Yeah, nice. And again, uh, and I'm sure this goes without saying, uh, and anyone would say this to you. Thank you for your service uh, in the Air Force. I know you were deployed uh, overseas for many years. And so uh, Special Forces Security Police, and you did great work out there. So thank you for your service, brother. Thanks. So in Phoenix, in Arizona, uh, you're Phoenix PD. How is Arizona responding, in your opinion, to COVID-19 coronavirus? Are you wearing a mask outside all the time? What's going on? What's it look like over there? I haven't traveled, obviously. Um, you know, it, and once again, like I don't speak on behalf of the Phoenix Police Department. That's just, that's where I work. And I well, mean, but if they said you have to wear a mask out there, I mean, I, I'm asking you that. Like, I, I are they no, mandating yeah, that you guys wear masks and glove up? To wear masks. No, we haven't received any directives to wear masks. We have them available to us. Most of the guys wear them on and off, depending on the situations. And 
Um, citizens, I would say this, the citizens in the area, probably 50%. Hmm. Interesting. So there's no fines yet or anything in Arizona or any of the counties out there for uh, people not wearing a mask or going into a grocery store or in public gatherings or public spaces yet. No. I'm um, not aware of any any directives like that, no. Well, I would hope you would be aware because you probably have to be the ones enforcing <laughs> it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So uh, what is, I'm just curious, what is Phoenix PD doing to protect you guys? They Do they issue masks? Do they give you masks or do you have to find them on your own? No, we have all the gear available to us, whatever, you know, whatever we need. So right. I've, I have a mask available to me, gloves, extra sanitizing stuff. So, And you guys have to do that anyway because you're going in and out of people's homes that are unsanitary. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, we deal with any type of situation you could think of. So if you can imagine that. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of – and I've done (laughs) ride-alongs with you before, and it's – I got to say, it's a different world. And I know you've been doing it for a long time now, and it's kind of the norm for you. But uh, it's still, you know, it's a different world out there. You kind of see society in a different way. Um, So despite that, I I know that you have a beautiful family at home uh, with your daughters and your wife. So what are you guys doing? What are you and and the family doing to stay safe from COVID-19? Um, mainly, I mean, I I was, you know, I was just talking to my wife about this today too. I was like, I don't feel like it's really affected my life a whole lot. Maybe we just, we weren't going out and doing a whole lot with large groups of people to begin with, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that we like to do and the things that we do. Like going to comedy shows and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and we would do that. We would go to events and things, and and I have a ticket to an event in in like four months from now. Hopefully, things are different then. But but yeah, that's far and few between. Most of our day to day activities don't involve going out in large groups of people usually. So, wow. All right. I don't, and I don't you guys feel obviously really eat like healthy. Up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. And that's number one. <laughs> number one is str- be having a strong immune system because honestly, if we didn't have an immune system, we, I mean, as humans, we wouldn't have made it this far. I mean, that every day, if we, if we only knew what, what type of onslaught our immune system is dealing with second by second, minute by minute, every day, it, w- it would blow our minds, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it would. Just, just talk to... Find someone with a, comp- a seriously compromised immune system and ask them what their life is like, and they'll tell you. I mean, and then you like start HIV to realize, wow, AIDS. I've got it pretty good. I don't have to live in a bubble. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is there is something to it, having a strong immune system, you know, you know eating clean, getting enough sleep, fresh water, fresh air, exercise. All you good know. stuff. I was just talking about sleep in the in the first hour. So, 
why vegan? I'm going to tell a quick story. We're, we're talking about food right now. So why vegan? But um, you remember the bachelor ride, right? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to tell a, back, a little bit of backstory. You can't just say the bachelor ride. <laughs> okay, back to the bachelor ride. So when we did that motorcycle ride with Scott, my other brother, by the way, from a different mother, uh, the three of us rode from Palm Desert, California to Santa Monica. Uh, was it Santa Monica? No, Santa Barbara. And then stayed the night in Santa Barbara and, and rode our motorcycles back uh, to the desert. Um, well, we brought three motorcycles and then we came back with two. <laughs> and I'm not going to say who or what. Mechanical but... difficulties. Oh, <laughs> right. we can lay it yeah, out there. I'm not, I'm not afraid. <laughs> technical difficulties. So we came back with there. two. And... <laughs> And our buddy, our best friend, we have a mutual best friend. His name is Scott. Our mutual best friend was raw vegan at the time. And we were like, just, what yeah, is hardcore. up with you, dude? And so. I had just gotten back. Yeah, I, I mean, I just got back from the Air Force. And the, just the concept of this whole, of that whole idea was so foreign to me. Yeah. And we, we like took we him, our so he took us to some raw food <laughs> restaurants in LA and then we took him and he sat there and we went to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you remember yeah. that? Let's, let's back it up a little bit. We went to this <laughs> high end raw food restaurant, which oh yes. if I went there today, I, I would be in heaven. Like... <laughs> The food was the was the most amazing, like full of life, full of nutrient, just nutrient dense quality, just food that will just feed your cells. And it was expensive, and, and it like, took them forever to make it. And we're like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, and I remember it's not show you learn. I remember not tasting it that much. And that's something else that changes when you eat cleaner and you eat healthier, food tastes different yeah. because all of this processed Fresh. food is hyper palatable, right? And so it desensitizes a lot of our taste. And so it's hyper palatable. Yeah. Yeah. When you start taking the, the cooked fats and oils and salts and, and sugars and processed sugars and things like that, and you take that out of your food when you're so used to it, it, it just tastes stuff tastes like cardboard it tastes like garbage to you because your your senses are so numb mm -hmm. to to real what what I can now I consider real food so numb to real food that it's, it doesn't taste like anything to you yeah yeah so uh I have more questions we're going to talk more about this um you know in the show but and and so just to wrap up this story and it's <laughs> It's a legendary story for us in many ways. <laughs> the two bikes coming back, the raw food restaurant in LA, and Outback Steakhouse. And I believe you got ribs. You always get ribs there, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Favorite food. <laughs> ribs. <laughs> Which is so funny now because can you ever imagine eating ribs again? Nah, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're gone. They're off the menu. <laughs> and I'm, I of course got a huge steak, probably the biggest one they could get, they could cook on the menu or I don't know, something anyway. And I loved it. Oh, yeah. 
and I used to love eating steak. Uh, that was kind of my jam. Probably, so he was probably a better sport about the outback than we were about this the raw food restaurant. He was definitely a better sport about the outback <laughs> than we were because we were just slamming that raw food restaurant and yeah. the people walking yeah. around with you know interesting clothes. It was a and, different experience for what we were used to. <laughs> <laughs> but he took much. it in stride, man. I gotta get. I gotta hand it to Scott. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. And I, I remember he introduced me to durian. He had that. He had one of those spiky, gnarly fruits in his refrigerator at his apartment in San Diego, and uh. and that thing scared me. <laughs> but I still tried it, and was like. You didn't like it the All first right, time, gonna, did you? I'm not going to spit it out, but what what did I just put in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. so much fun. Okay, still on the agenda for Tate Talk Squared. We have What Moves You, your, uh, my weekly uh, movement and exercise piece, growing your own food, and recipe of the week. Stay with us here on Tate Talks. want to prevent or even reverse many of the chronic diseases that plague society today, you're in the right place. Now, here's Jason Tate. Jason Tate here on Tate Talks. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me here. As we talk about health and wellness, I have a special guest today, my brother, Matthew Tate. There, bro? I'm here. Awesome. Matthew is, or Matt, is a uh, Phoenix police officer and was in the Air Force before that. He's a father. He's a brother. He's a husband. Uh, and an, uh, are we uncles yet? We are uncles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a kid, and I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how We're that uncles. works. We're not great. Well, yeah, and our sister, our adopted sister, has, has two little ones now. Crazy. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're talking about food and veganism, but, you know, I think we might have to sh save that, honestly, for another show uh, and do yeah. that, do a whole hour on, on veganism together. But I, I don't know. We'll see if I have time to share another story about the conversation that you and I had in Tucson uh, that really was the game changer for me. You know, we were just talking about how Actually, I'm, I'm going to go into it right now. We were talking about how uh, we did that, that bachelor motorcycle ride to Santa Barbara and came back. And at the time, both you and I were eating meat and animal products, all animal products. Yeah. And so. Yeah, pretty standard, standard American diet. Standard American diet. And we didn't, neither one of us looked unhealthy or anything. Like there was, there wasn't a situation where we needed a, a big change. No. It wasn't like, oh, you've got to 
change your diet or you're going to die, you know, or you're going to get another yeah, heart attack or anything how, like that. It's funny how that is when you're 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, some 25 year olds are wrecked, bro. That's, I mean, we were active. So yeah. exercise, if you're exercising, it can make up for some poor diet choices on the outside. Usually a little bit, a little bit on the, on the outside. Can, yeah. But inside there can be a can, lot of damage with, with for sure. Head. With the so, help of some decent genetics, yeah. Yeah. Which I think your genetics are better than mine when it comes to that. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, our best friend Scott, I got more Italian than you did, but I think you have better, I think you have better genetics. Because you can carb up and I can't. I don't know. If, oh, you if I, I load on carbs like though. you did, I'd be 50 pounds heavier, I think. Now, let's. Let's make a definition of the types of carbs we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, I'm not shoveling donuts down my gullet. But you're a cop. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I had to get that in there, bro. Sorry. <laughs> we're talking like bananas and oranges. <laughs> and when my brother says bananas, he means bananas. Like this guy. Yeah. Like a I, meal of bananas. <laughs> He has a meal of bananas. How often do you have a meal of bananas, bro? Um, I, I don't, not too often, but if it's, if it's what I've got, that's what I eat. <laughs> I've never I've, I've seen gotten, anyone do this other than my little brother. I've gotten lazy with my food prep. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Is sit there and eat a pile of bananas and say, yep, oh, I'm good. Yeah, that was it's the meal. ultimate fast food. I swear by it. <laughs> what do uh, okay. bananas cost at the grocery store? They're twenty nine cents a pound. You can literally it's true. buy bags of bananas. It's true. It's true. So the banana king over here. <laughs> um, so our buddy Scott took the vegan train early, and then you were actually number two of the three of us. I was a late bloomer, believe it or not. Uh, and there was this amazing conversation that you and I had. You remember when we talked uh, outside your house and we were getting ready to go to Tucson for the, um, the big game between Arizona State and University of Arizona football uh, when our sister Ashley was oh, yeah. on the dance squad out there. And you and I were talking about the digestive system of herbivores and carnivores. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. And that, I don't remember um, specifically, but yeah, yeah I remember was, talking uh, about it with you. It was an you. interesting turning point for me. And, and that discussion, talking about the length of the digestive tract between herbivores and carnivores, it really got me thinking. And so, of course, in Tucson, we're down there with family. After the game, literally after the game, we go to a steakhouse at 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> all I could order was a baked potato. <laughs> I yeah. just couldn't imagine their garbage, another their garbage salad they, they throw out there with some iceberg lettuce and yeah. a few stringy carrots. <laughs> and that and that was it. Like I, I stopped eating um, red meat after our conversation. I did more research and I was still eating chicken for a while and, and fish. And then eventually, you know, I, I got rid of that as well. And so um, I just found it interesting you know, for, even for me, who I have a health and wellness radio show now, there was a transition time and period for me uh, for that. So 
if you're if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. It's a major change. Make small changes. You know, that's that's the lesson here. Making small changes incrementally as you kind of move through towards towards a healthier version of yourself. Do you agree, bro? I agree. All right. So uh, we're we're kind of chewing this up. I want to talk to you about exercise and movement and what you know, and talk about that also with police officers. I know you have a pretty um, strict exercise regimen, and I want to hear about it. Uh, also, coming up on Tate Talks, we're going to talk about gardening. We're going to talk about composting. We're going to talk the about wheel. biochar. Yeah. And wood vinegar. What the hell is wood vinegar? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to blow your mind. Tate Talks continues on iHub Radio with iHub Radio wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here. You're in the studio. You're in the studios. iHub Radio in Palm Springs, California. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be here with us during this time uh, with COVID-19, coronavirus. We are in it. We are in the middle of this. And it's important to make sure that you take care of your body, that you elevate your health. Uh, that you get proper sleep, that you eat the right kinds of foods, that you exercise on a regular basis. If you didn't have these routines before, time to get started. And you can start anytime. I'm going to talk uh, right now about some other things you can do to add more food or different types of food to your plate. Uh, before we get into that, uh, bef- you can follow Tate Talks on Instagram. We're on tatetalks.radio on Instagram. And you can also catch us on the main um, uh, iTunes and podcasts, Spotify, that type of thing. Uh, We have all of the shows downloaded there as well. So let's talk about gardening uh, with my brother, Matthew Tate, Tate Squared, Tate Talks. He's in Arizona, Phoenix police officer, uh, not retired, but he's from uh, also from the Air Force as well. But he's an avid gardener. He does his own composting. In fact, he engineered and built his own composting bins and tumblers. Uh, my little bro is is pretty ingenious and creative, and he's turned his backyard into an oasis of food that he grows, probably hundreds of pounds of food a year you generate out of your backyard. Is that right, brother? Oh, yeah, at least. And it just gets more and more every year. So cool. So Growing healthy foods that nourish the body, right? For anyone who hasn't done it yet or is afraid to try starting your own garden, what do you recommend? I recommend starting from the ground up with your soil. Compost and adding and additives, getting as much organic, rich material into your soil is is key. Not and about how getting, long does that really, take? So, so you go to your backyard. You it, have dirt, right, in Arizona. You can do it. You can do it in a season. I don't know how what your your broadcast goes out to or what your primary viewer base is, but Arizona here we have clay. We have some sandy loam. We've got different kinds of soil here, and all of it can be 
can be benefited by adding organic material to it. Okay. So research the area, right? Wherever you live, research the soils and, and go from there. Start from the ground up. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I like you that. can. And the the organic material provides a space and food and and material for the microbes. And the microbes are key. That's what we're trying to feed. We're trying to we're trying to grow this basically it's not imaginary, but you can't you can't see it without a microscope. It's this whole ecosystem of microbes that you're trying to facilitate before your plants can be healthy. You can grow, you can grow your tomatoes and peppers and you can grow things just straight into that clay soil. They'll make it, they'll survive. They're not Mm going to be the best, the best thing. They're not going to, they might be prone to disease. They might, they might take a hit when it gets really hot or in a period of, of low water or drought, but they'll make it any anybody can garden on the on the easiest level at the very easiest level just same thing as compost you can get really fancy with it or you can just throw a bunch of stuff in a pile and hope for the best and there's not a really a wrong way to do it you're not going to stop the compost you're only going to slow it down mm. okay. if you want if you want an ideal situation i mean for composting you're going to mix your your greens and your browns which is like your nitrogen and your carbon, basically. And you want to have, you know, the right mixture of that with oxygen and moisture. And if you have everything just right, it's going to compost very quickly. It's going to compost complete all the way through as if you're turning things and it's, it's going to create amazing soil. If you don't have time for that, which honestly I don't, I don't know who does, you can just throw it all, just throw it all in there and turn it as, as much as you can and make sure it's not too dry and make sure it's not too wet and it's, it's going to break down. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get composting bins and tumblers at uh, hardware stores. You can order them online. You can, I have a, a 250 gallon drum uh, compost tumblers in my backyard and I'm making soil because you know, you and I, you know, families that eat a lot of produce, we end up throwing a lot, a lot of soil away in the trash. And I just got tired of doing that. So I wanted to recuperate oh, yeah. that. And then what you're talking it's, about it's also so is much. yard waste. And you're trying to get me a, to get a wood chipper, I know, but. <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all of it. It's so much to the fact, like when we go on vacation, I almost want to bring a bunch of five gallon buckets and save all of our, <laughs> our food waste and. Like, I feel like, no, I can't throw this in the trash. This this is nutrients for my garden. Like, what? Yeah, right. No. <laughs> so that's but an even, important thing. You, you describe these bins, and the bins are nice, and they're convenient, but they they can be expensive, and they are definitely not necessary. If you just have a space in your yard, I I have – I've done compost in the in the simplest form with two pallets or two pieces of wood – spaced, you know, four or five feet away from each other up against a wall. If you can picture that and then just there's a pile there and the stuff goes in and it gets turned when it's convenient for me and I spray it down and keep it from drying out. And there it is making, making soil. There it is. 
Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to buy anything extra. So what is biochar? And what the hell is wood vinegar? Just just to preface this, I don't, I don't go in anything halfway. I just, when I get (laughs) into, when I get locked into something, I kind of, I kind of hyper-focus and get real excited about it. And I tend to really get deep into the research and, this is this is how I stumbled upon something called biochar, and then even further so, something called wood vinegar, or technical scientific term is pyroligneous acid All right. for wood vinegar. So, so I, I work, t- how much time do we have left? I'm going to try to fit. You've got five minutes to in. tell me about biochar and wood vinegar. Okay, so bio, biochar is essentially carbon, pure carbon in its simplest form. You take organic material. What I generally use is uh, just pine wood planks or yard waste that's a little too woody or chunky to fit through my wood chipper. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I just don't want to throw it in there and I want to convert it into carbon. I built this retort kiln off some, like it's it's a hybrid off of some plans that a, different plans off the internet that I found. And I, I fabricated this retort kiln to basically take that material and you stick it in this oven, basically for lack of better words, and it gets cooked and you cook out all the gases out of it. And the gases are recycled back into the burning chamber where they are reburned because they are volatile flammable gases. There's a lot of methane and carbon dioxide in there and it's flammable. So it, it's basically a self-contained generator of heat. So it keeps continuing to burn off those gases, and it releases very, very little smoke into the atmosphere. You can, you can barely see anything coming off of it, and it's just cooking at about 800 to 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And all of the, the wood and the material in there, even um, bones, could be could be part of your your biochar and they just they turn into ash not not so much ash that's that's a bad word for this they turn into carbon because when you have a campfire that white stuff that's left over that's the ash mm-hmm. if there's any unburnt material that just got superheated that for some reason got quenched or whatever if you put out the fire a little early it's just left over that black dark black it's very light Mm-hmm. dark, rich carbon, that's, that's biochar. Awesome. And the biochar gets processed, crunched down, and it is, an, it is not a nutrient. It is a soil amendment. And what we talked about before, the microbial life is key to plant health. It, this is the condominium for the microbial life. Oh, nice. So, if you want, if you want to have abundant microbial life, they need somewhere to live. They need somewhere to store all their food. They need somewhere to thrive. And this is all of that. It is extremely porous. And I, I believe they, I mean, don't quote me on this. It's like one gram of biochar has enough surface area of like, I don't know, like a football field or something like that. It's ridiculous. Wow. It's, it's all about the surface area and they have all wow. these tiny pores. It's very porous and light and airy. 
And, and so do you mix also, this crunched up biochar into your, uh, when you, when you take your compost mm-hmm. and you make soil with it, do you mix in some biochar and voila? It must, it must be mixed because it is a sponge. It soaks up nutrients and minerals. And it, if you just laid it down into your soil, it would soak everything up and oh. take it away. Oh, no. You have to mix it. You, you mix it. You have to mix it with the compost or you have to charge it in some way. A lot of people will blend up something, what's called a compost tea. And it's just teeming with with my, the beneficial microbes and microorganisms. And then you soak it up. You put your biochar in there and it soaks up all of those those materials. And then you put it in the soil. Wow. And it creates this environment and when I say it, if you just laid it down, it would take stuff away. Obviously, it gives it back. It's just, it's it's a vacuum. When you put it in there, right. it wants to grab everything. It's yeah. It's got a, I think it's a negative charge to it, and it just sucks everything up. That's interesting. And then slowly over time, it releases it to the plants. That is so cool. Well, we got so, 30 seconds. I don't know if that's enough time to talk about wood vinegar, but no, we, uh, can't, we can't even touch, touch wood vinegar. We're leaving that for a, a different time or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> pyroligneous acid, you said? Yeah, pyroligneous acid. You can look it up. It's amazing it. stuff. I have a friend of mine who's got this peach tree that has these, these Saturn peaches, these donut peaches. It's my favorite peach tree on his property. I ended yeah. up buying two of them to plant in my own, in my own little fruit orchard. And this tree got attacked by these beetles and it is, it's just tearing this tree up. This tree was on its last life. Like it looked, it looks bad. So I started spraying it down with a highly diluted solution of this wood vinegar, which is a byproduct of the charcoal that I make. And it's starting to come back to life. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Matt, you're an agronomist. <laughs> Still on Tate Talks, I'll have the recipe of the week, and uh, we might have a little debate about our beliefs about carbs. Stay with us here on Tate Talks. From Palm Springs, California, iHub Radio presents inspirational conversation to help you on the path to vitality. Health and wellness conversation is front and center on Tate Talks with Jason Tate. Here's Jason. Jason Tate here on Tate Talks. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I'm here with my brother, Matthew Tate. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Matthew is uh, on the phone here. He's calling in from Arizona. Uh, I'm here in the Palm Springs area, uh, iHub Studios. And 
Matthew, we are talking about growing our own food, but before we get uh, into the topic of food, I actually want to share the recipe of the week. Um, and so for this week, I have another recipe from the Renew Food Plan that is from the Institute for Functional Medicine, and this one is called the Lemon Avocado Salad. So what you do, and this makes two servings, by the way, you take four cups of arugula and mixed spring greens, one green onion that's chopped, a quarter of an avocado, and I would actually go with half of an avocado on this one, if not the entire avocado, because I love avocados, and they're a great source of protein and nutrients and fats. Uh, you take two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, two teaspoons of fresh lemon juice, a pinch of sea salt, a pinch of black pepper, and two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. Place the greens and green onion in a medium bowl for the creamy avocado, avocado vinaigrette. Uh, in a small food processor, you mix up all the other ingredients, and then you toss the vinaigrette on the greens and serve. And there it is. Simple, easy to make, takes just a few minutes if you have all the ingredients, and you've got a nice little salad for two there. <clears throat> All right, so that's the recipe. I, I, would uh, eat I didn't it. get a chance to ask you about <laughs> exercise, and so I want to ask you about that now. Uh, but I want to I want to do the spin of police officers, and I was kind of thinking of how to ask this. I know that you exercise, and it's important to you whether or not you would be a police officer. But how important is it for police officers or service members or people in healthcare or people that are, you know, first responders? How important is it, do you believe, for them to have regular daily exercise and why? I mean, not not just those professions, but everybody. It's highly important. It should be one of the everyone's highest priorities. You get this one body to uh, travel you through life and it, you, it needs to be ready for everything. I mean, you can't, you can't expect to, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe you can lead a, a complete full life unless you're have your, your fitness on point to the best of your ability for me, yeah. for my life. Yeah. That's how I, yeah. that's how I live my life. That's good. I like that. And you know, making it core, right? Core to your beliefs and core to what's important. Oh yeah, I, I, I consider it, it's like basic hygiene. You know, you wouldn't think about, you know, just not showering for a week or not brushing your teeth or just using the bathroom and not wiping or not, you know, just, just become, just becoming like, I consider it like that to me in my life. That's good. And when I like that. When, yeah. when it's a part of your life in that situation, you don't compromise. It's like, this is what I do. This is how I take care of myself. It's a, it's a basic hygiene, no matter what. I make sure I get my exercise in. There you go. I like it. I'm so also you want to talk about intermittent fasting? Yeah, uh, real quick. We were talking about all these foods and great, great nutrients and things like that, which are amazing. They provide us a lot. At the same time, it's, it's a little bit about what we don't eat, too. That time when you're fasting, when you're sleeping, or even, even eat an early dinner and don't eat anything else. So, you know, till midday the next day, even. Give your body a chance to reset. There is, 
mountains of evidence that show that fasting, even in short periods, is key to cell regeneration, building the immune system. That's just a few things. That's just scratching the surface. So I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting. I do a modified version of it every day. I try not to eat anything after 7 p.m. And then I don't eat again until at least 9 a.m. the next morning, sometimes later. Yeah, I do about the same. And it feels good. So that, I mean, you, you end up with more energy, yeah. right? I do, yeah. I feel sluggish if if I get a little snacky late in the evening and I eat something when I normally wouldn't. And the next day, I just feel sluggish. So, Yeah. And, right. and I mean, we're not talking about I ate, you know, a five-pound burrito. We're talking about, like, some <laughs> carrot sticks or something, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> or a big pile of bananas. Like, yeah, I'm so used to <laughs> fasting, you know, every day that if I, if I don't, then I feel it the next day. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's true. And honestly, I, I, I used to work a lot of overtime. I've cut back quite a bit. I was just doing some simple math for about three years there. I was really grinding, working a lot of overtime and still maintaining exercise and a healthy family life and making sure to spend time with the kids and do things like that. I worked, I averaged it out about 10 hour shifts every day for three years. No days off. If I spread it out, it, if you spread I obviously it out. had days off in there. So there were some days where I was, you know, working 16, 17, 18 hour days, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But if you added up all the hours and then spread it out over the three years, that's how many 10 hour shifts every day for three years. Wow. That's how many and hours I worked. So, so that is uh, evidence that if you consider exercise as part of your normal daily hygiene, that even though you work 10 hours a day, 365 days a year, you can still fit it in. Oh, yeah. I got it in there. I like and, that. Uh, I mean, if it's, if it's just jumping down and doing push-ups while you're preparing food or something like that, or right before you go to bed or right when you wake up or doing a bunch of air squats or just simple stuff you can do at home to get your body moving mm -hmm. and learn to love that, that home workout or that I don't even, it doesn't even have to be a home workout. You can do it anywhere you're at. Yeah. Just use your muscles and get your heart rate up a little bit and get your blood flow and get that lymph moving and give yourself a, a jolt. Preach it, brother. All right. So this has been yeah. a great show and it's gone by so fast. Before we leave, though, how can people find you? What's the best way? If they have questions, they want to learn about biochar and wood vinegar, uh, would it be Facebook? Would that be the best way? I guess, yeah, that or email me at uh, Tate308 at Hotmail. Okay, Tate308 at Hotmail.com or find him, Matthew Tate, on Facebook. Tate Talks is here right. at yeah. iHub Radio every Sunday and on all major podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, everything, to provide current up-to-date information with regard to health and wellness, to inform and inspire you to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. And thank you, brother, 